So today the message is about the power of connecting. And it makes me think of the song that I bet you guys know from way back in. So it goes like this. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Okay, you guys got it. All right, let's stand up. Come on, I need your help now, for real. And I'm gonna ask some people to come out and help me too. And we're gonna sing it again. Ready? Ready? Yeah. Lean on me. When you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Just a call, call me brother. Some of y'all aren't old enough to remember that. You go back to 1987, Club Nouveau. Right, we be German, we be German. All right, let's, uh, let's just move on. Welcome to uh, everybody here, sophomore family and friends. Welcome to our guests. Whether you have any kind of previous church background or not, maybe it's your first time, really good to have you. Welcome to those watching online. Glad you're joining us as well. We'd love to be able to see you soon in person. And I'll tell you why, because church is more than just something you watch. It's good, but we don't want it to be just like, you know, going to the movie theater, because the church is the family of God. It's the body of Christ. It's the dwelling of the Spirit. And I think you're missing out on something if you're not actually here. Because if you're like me, you, if you go to the movie theater, right, you, you go online first, and you look for the seats where you're not sitting by anybody. You don't want to be near anybody at the theater, right? And so, uh, same thing at church, you come in here and it ends up like you're trying to sit away from people and, and you, like at a movie theater, you just are kind of like silent strangers. You don't talk, you don't meet people in the movies, you just go in and watch the thing and then you leave. And that's not what church should really be about at all. I mean, how many people even go to the theaters anymore, right? We'd rather just stay at home and watch on our own. And a lot of people do that with church now, too. It's just easier to stay home and watch it instead of be a part of it. But church is more than just something you, you go to. Even if you show up and you're here, that's great. But this isn't just something you go to. This is something you are a part of. We are the church every day of the week. And maybe, maybe you have experienced this before at some other church. I have. Maybe, sadly, even here, you'll, you'll go into a church and... Maybe there's somebody at the door to greet you, maybe not, and you make your way to the auditorium, and you sit off somewhere by yourself, 
and wait for somebody to say something to you. Now, truth is, maybe you want to sit by yourself. You're just, you want your own space. You know, you get off that vibe, like, don't bother me. But you never have any interaction with anybody, and then you leave. Uh, and that's, that's not what church should be about. This is, this is way more than that. And of course, some churches don't want you to talk ahead of time. It's like a sanctuary. And I thought sanctuaries were for birds, but apparently, you know, if you go in and you're supposed to stay quiet, but I don't know. That's not what I see in the New Testament. Jesus never intended his church to be this collection of silent strangers who just sit and watch other people do church. You know, the people on the platform, the <laughs> the professionals or whatever, the clergy or, or the singers. And that was church. I was just consuming it. I was just receiving it. No, we, we, we want you to get involved, to interact with other people before and after the service. Go around, meet people, greet people. Don't wait for them to come to you. You come to, now I'm, I'm not going to make you stand up in the middle of a service and greet one another. That's a little bit forced, right? But make sure you go out of your way to make this a welcoming place. I think one of the main reasons why so many churches are struggling, and there's a lot of churches struggling. I talk to a lot of people. I read a lot of things all over the place. Churches are struggling, not only because it's, I think it's getting harder and harder to reach the culture we're in, to, to bring in people, to reach out to newcomers and guests and people who aren't believers. It's the Christians who aren't involved in church anymore. When, you know, I've told you before, when I was growing up, I had a drug problem, right? I got drugged to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night. All, it, you, didn't, you just went to church every week, all the time. Wasn't even a question. Today, though, you're finding Christians are viewing church as more as something optional, something to opt out of, something I just go to if I feel like it, if it's convenient, when I have the time. And so Christians who used to go to church like every week, all the time, now they're showing up maybe once a month, if that. This is going on all over the place. And, and instead of thinking, because here's what you get up and think, well, what will I miss out on if I go to church today? What, what's out there I'm going to miss? Instead of thinking, if I don't show up to church, what are they going to miss? What are they going to miss from me? Right, because God wants me to be there for the sake of others. That's why the church isn't just a consumer thing. We're a movement. We're a cause. Right? We're here to make disciples. That's the great commission that Jesus gave us. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard this over and over and over and over. Matthew 28:19 and 20. Jesus said, "Go and make disciples of all nations, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you." And I can tell you, that's not going to get done if a bunch of Christians just stay home and try to view church as a consumer thing or uh, bring a, a movie theater mindset to it. What does Jesus call us to do? We're all to make disciples, each and every one of us, and that's not an optional thing. And i got to say, if you're not involved in making disciples in some way, any way, I would question, are you really a disciple because disciples make disciples that's our calling and the way we express it here is to win down over to Christ by creating Christians who are committed connected and contributing that's just another way of stating the Great Commission you know that's our vision of making disciples and I know churches try to get all creative and innovative we come up with all kinds of new ways to, to state what our vision is but the truth is Jesus already gave us the vision it's not like we can come up with a new one I'm not gonna give you some new vision it's, we can word it differently, that's fine, but it all comes back to disciples making disciples. That's our main priority, and, and the question is, is that really getting done? 
and I would say not nearly as well as we would hope, I fear. Many, many people in churches are not growing. Their behavior is, uh, is sliding backwards. They're stalled in their growth. They're static. They're stagnant in it. And they, I know there are some professing Christians who never truly commit to a growing relationship with the Lord. You know, they're not really devoted to that at all. They just kind of want to say I'm a Christian and, and leave it at that. Because we're finding that smaller and smaller percentages of Christians are really involved in their churches regularly, attending worship regularly. Even smaller fractions are involved in groups, involved in teams. And you, you've got to question why. Because the church is it's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. We, all these people claiming, well, yes, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But you don't love his church. How can that be? Not only is that tragic for the church, but it's, it's ironically tragic for every Christian because it undermines their faith. Jesus gave us the church because we need it. Not He doesn't need it. We're the ones that need it. And you realize when the Apostle Paul is talking about somebody, a Christian who's not living for the Lord, you know, really getting off track, doing a lot of bad stuff, wrong stuff, he says, you need to remove them from the church so they'll be brought to repentance, so they'll, they'll get straightened out and get their head on straight and come back and repent. He says, when you put somebody out of the church like that, remove them from the fellowship, what's it doing? He says, you're handing them over to Satan, right? And what's so crazy is now you got all these Christians who are handing themselves over to Satan, you know, voluntarily, because they're removing themselves from the fellowship of the church. Now, obviously, you're here, so that's great. That's a good first step, or you're watching. But if you're somebody who really wants to grow in your faith, what is your next step? You know, because a disciple is somebody who is always wanting to grow, wanting to learn, which is why we need good biblical content. We need strong, sound doctrine to fill our minds and hearts so we know the right way to live. And the thing is, we, we don't, we have more resources available than ever to know the Bible, but we're more like biblically illiterate than ever. Christians don't know what's in the scriptures anymore. So as much as I'd say, come to church, learn from the Bible, don't rely on the church alone to feed you. You've got to learn to be a self-feeder. You've got to learn to grow through your own reading of the Bible. Maybe you own a Bible, but you don't really know how to read it or how to understand it or how to apply it to your life. And that's why you need other Christians around to help you with that. And maybe you see other Christians pray and you'd like to be able to communicate better with the Lord. That's why you need other Christians around you. Or you have maybe some casual acquaintances in the church, but you don't have any real friends. That's why you need brothers and sisters in the body. So I want to talk about the power of connecting today. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could all be like Wi-Fi Christians? You know how Wi-Fi just, you connect one time and you can stay automatically connected? But relationships aren't like that. Nothing automatic about it. Relationships are hard work to stay connected, whether it's your family, your spouse, friends, or even in the church. And what's become so ironic is that we are more connected now than ever via technology, right? A lot of great things with phones and text and, and uh, FaceTime on the screen, social media. All those are wonderful ways to stay connected, except group texts. Group texts are evil. Uh, they're of the devil. Please don't, don't include me on it. Group texts are bad. But all that other stuff is great. And yet, ironically, we're, we're like becoming the loneliest generation ever, right? All these studies are coming out showing... Young people who are so wrapped up on screen time, you know, they're not having personal interaction with each other. They're watching other people online. They're watching people on a screen instead of participating themselves. And so they're, they're, there's an epidemic of loneliness uh, among Generation Z, 
right? The youngest, and then, and then I've seen studies among millennials that 30% of millennials say they are often or always lonely, 30%. 22% say I have no friends at all. And folks, it's not just the younger generations, the older folks are being hit hard by loneliness as well. It's taken a tragic toll on them, not only emotionally, but physically. I mean, it attacks your physical health when you isolate yourself from others. And so a lot of us, I think, are, are struggling with this because we, we have trouble reaching out to others. We have trouble breaking out of our comfort zone. Some of us are more introverted than others, but the thing is we end up purposely isolating ourselves from other people who aren't like us. We isolate ourselves from our neighbors through our fences and our attached garages. We isolate ourselves from our brothers and sisters by not being involved in the church. And it's just a harmful thing to us. But we, we get this prideful thing where I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this on my own. I can do my religion privately. Uh, I, I really don't need anybody else to help me. Thank you very much. I can certainly be a happy spiritual person without the church. And you don't realize how much damage that's doing to you because the truth is happiness comes from relationships. God didn't create us to live in isolation and loneliness. Happiness comes from interconnectedness, from community. And the good news is that God has already automatically connected you to a worldwide network, a global community called the church, capital C Church. You're automatically a part of that. But the thing is you also have to experience it personally through a local C, small C church. You need people that you can actually do life together with in the church. And so the challenge here is in Romans 12, 5, to, to live this out. Paul says, we'll, we'll read this out loud together, everybody, here we go. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. God wired you in such a way that we can only fulfill his purposes for our lives in community. Those who say, well, I can do my religion on my own, I'll be a Lone Ranger Christian, no. No, because you, the New Testament has all these one another's. Pray for one another, encourage one another, build up one another, bear one another's burdens, uh, offer hospitality to one another, greet one another. How can you do all the one another's on your own? You can't. You can't live the kind of fulfilling Christian life God designed for you on your own. And it's not even just by going to church. Because you can go to church for years and years and years and still be lonely. Because you're not being the church. You're just going. And so some of us have discovered this terrific thing called groups. What are groups? Well, groups is like your mini church environment where you gather with a few other people sometime during the week, maybe up to 12 people or so, modeled after Jesus, right? He chose his 12 disciples and he did life with them uh, for up to three years. And so maybe a men's group, women's group, a mixed group and you know each other by name and you know one another's concerns and you just kind of do life together because life is better together. Now I'm not suggesting that you find 12 people and you spend day and night every day for the next three years together like Jesus and the 12, that's a little weird, but uh, <laughs> Jesus is gonna be in your group, all right? He's not there physically, that's okay, but he said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them, all right? So you got Jesus in your group, every group does have a leader but you need to go beyond those casual acquaintances that, that happen on the weekend in a crowd, because let's get real, this is, just, this is a crowd, it's good, it's important, but it's a crowd, and you can't really experience a lot of community in a crowd. You need a mini church environment where it gets more personal, where you pray for each other, you're there for each other, and so our big idea is to gather in a group to grow. 
you really want to grow, get in a group. And today I'm going to give you three reasons why that's true, that you need those deeper kinds of friendships. I'm going to give credit to Rick Warren for these three points. First of all, I need others to walk with me. In other words, I need others to help me grow spiritually. Here's what Paul says in Colossians 2. Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, okay, you did that the one time, but now you must continue to follow him, to walk with him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So the Bible often calls our spiritual life a walk because it's not a sit down thing. It's a journey. There is a destination. We are traveling to become more like Jesus, to become mature and complete in our faith. And that doesn't happen by sitting still. And, and that's why we need so much uh, poured into us. I mean, because how do we do that? How do we walk like Jesus? Well, we got to how did Jesus walk? He walked in love. He walked in light. He walked in obedience. He walked in wisdom. He walked in the Holy Spirit. And so that's how we grow too. God never intended you to walk alone through this thing. You say, but what's wrong with walking alone? I like walking alone. I can go my own way when I walk alone. That's the problem. It's because you're not learning cooperation. You're not learning to love. How can you love unless you're in fellowship with other people, especially unlovable people? That's how you learn to love. Right? It's easy to love lovable people, but Jesus made it clear, hey, even sinners love lovable people. Sinners love others who love them. We're learning to love like Jesus. I mean, and I think we're missing out on something extraordinary when we lack love. Are, are we really known by our love for one another? Because I believe in the human heart, God has created a longing for belonging. He wired you for fellowship. He created you for his, for his forever family. Are you experiencing that? God has already given us the answer, community is God's answer to loneliness. God's given you two groups, you know that. One, he, he puts you in at birth or you were adopted into as your physical family. Didn't really have any choice in that. But when you became born again, reborn into a spiritual family, you know, you, you got to choose. And it's, that's kind of the wonders and beauties of the church is that you, you get put in a spiritual family with other people that you may have never... <laughs> You may never have chosen to be with, but God put us together so that we can learn to become more like Jesus, to love each other, right? People who are different from us. Hebrews 10 says this, we're not supposed to give up meeting together. As some are in the habit, the habit, notice, it's a habit, whether to, to not be involved or to be involved, but encourage one another. And that's what I need. I need encouragement in my daily walk. How do you do that? By meeting together. Meeting together. So. My hope and my goal for, is that everyone in this church would get in a group, 100% of us in a group, because that's where you're going to grow, and if you're not in a group, you're missing out, because we don't want to be just a church with groups, we want to become a church of groups that are not just these optional things on the side, but it's a, a vital part of your growth. I mean, I've been leading a group for the past year, a men's group meeting bi-weekly. We hang out at Big B Coffee and we talk about God's Word and how to apply it and how to be better as believers, better men, better leaders, all those things. But that group is coming to an end shortly, and so we're starting this new season of groups next month. And so I'm going to be starting two groups, maybe three. And anybody who's going to be in my group is committing themselves 
to apprentice with me as a leader so that in January they can go and start their own group because that's the only way we're going to get everybody in groups is if we have apprentice leaders who are ready to, to lead their own groups. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take them through a 10-week uh, session of some video curriculum that I've developed called Core Beliefs. So I put 15-minute videos, 10 of them on, on our core beliefs as a church because our group leaders especially need to be trained in good biblical solid content, right? So they can pass it on to others. And I really encourage anybody to go through those 10 weeks of core beliefs. But uh, not only am I going to do this with a couple of groups that I, I choose, I'm just going to open up one group. Uh, one night a week here at the Trenton campus, whoever wants to show up, if you don't have a group, you just show up and that'll be our group. And I don't care if it's three of us or 30 of us or whatever, and we'll go through those 10 core beliefs together as well. And you know what? Anybody who's leading a group, I want to thank you for serving or anybody even hosting a group. It's so important to do that. We need leaders. But you know what? The, the ones who lead are actually the ones who get the most out of it. Isn't that true? That whatever you invest yourself in, you get more out of it. And those who teach learn more, and those who, uh, who bless others get blessed. That's just God's economy, because the more you give out, the more he gives back to you. And so we want our, our group leaders to, to grow more than anybody. And, and you may know that there are plenty of other, you don't have to go through the, that curriculum or my 10 lessons or anything. There's plenty of other video curriculum out there on Right Now Media. You know, we're a part of that now. It's like a Netflix of Christian content on demand with all these great Bible teachers. You might plug into Right Now Media. But if you're looking for a place to belong, gather in a group. Uh, there's all a bunch of new ones starting next month. In fact, when you walked in, you got a booklet that lists some groups that are going to be open and would love to have you be a part. In the back of that, there's a form you can fill out and, and take it to Info Central, give it to me or somebody, just make sure we get that. But even better than using the booklet is to go online. Just get out your phone right now. Go ahead. If you don't have a group yet, go, take out your phone. I'm going to give you time and look up some groups. Go to groups.southpointccc.com. Uh, plenty of groups to look at there because instead of using that booklet, you can drop the booklet in a bucket on the way out. And we'll reuse it. We'll recycle it, whatever. Um, this is the only time where I'm going to be really glad that you're ignoring me and on your phone looking at the Internet, okay? So go ahead. I'm just going to keep going with this thing, but you can just ignore me for the next few minutes while you're looking for a group because not only do I need others to walk with me, I need others to watch out for me. I need others who are going to stand with me, who are going to defend me, who are going to uh, have my back and protect me from attack and warn me and help me stay on track. Paul says this in Philippians 2. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too, which is a very countercultural thing to say. Because we're living in, our culture is all about me, right? It's about me, it's about my needs, about my hurts, about my interests. Paul says, don't focus on you, focus on others. That's what community means. Maybe you went on vacation this summer for a week or two. And if you have a good neighbor, you might have went to your neighbor and said, look, I'm going to be out of town. Would you keep an eye on my house? Keep an eye on my stuff. Or maybe even live in a neighborhood where you have one of those signs that says neighborhood watch. That means we're, we're there for each other. We care about each other. We look out for each other's stuff. My question to you is, who's looking out for your soul? Because your soul is more important than your stuff. Who's helping you on this journey? Who's helping you to keep going and growing so that you don't get discouraged and fall back and drop out of this thing? Who's watching out for you? You know, we're in a war. We need to take this seriously. And anybody who has ever served in the military knows that at some point you've got to serve sentry duty, right? While everybody else is asleep, you're the one staying awake 
looking out for any potential attacks or problems. We're in a real war, and we have a spiritual enemy with a full army who is out to destroy us, and he'll do whatever it takes to hurt you, to hurt your kids, to hurt your parents, to hurt your friends, because he's trying to hurt God. And because he can't hurt God, the best way to hurt God is to hurt, get, get to his children, take out his children, and also to, to hurt his children together, the church. Churches that are effective at taking territory away from the enemy. Have you ever noticed that? That he's very good at infiltrating those churches and causing all kinds of sabotage to try and destroy them. We need to take this seriously. And why do we all, why are we so often defeated? It's because we're trying to fight on our own. We need other people in our life watching out for us. Look at this great passage back in the Old Testament, way back in Ecclesiastes. Two people are better off than one. Why? For they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily defeated. That's why you need community. Community is God's answer to defeat. If we want to be victorious, we've got to have others who's got your six who's got your back who's helping you stay close to the Lord and avoid all those terrible traps that tend to trip us up and, and mess us up here's another question though is maybe even more important not only who's got your back whose back do you have because you can't expect others to have your back if you don't have anybody else's back we've got to stand back to back and be the church all right, so I need others to watch out for me, and then I need others to wait and weep with me. During those inevitable crises of life, I need other people in my life to go through those things with me because I'm telling you, nobody should ever have to be alone waiting for that bad news or when they get that bad news. Nobody should ever have to sit alone in that hospital waiting room during life and death surgery. Nobody should ever have to be alone on that first day when your spouse dies or when they walk out on you. And those things are going to happen. I mean, your life might be just fine right now, but it's coming. It will, it will hit you at some point, and maybe by then it will be too late because you didn't prepare for it. The time to prepare for that is now by building those relationships so those people will be there for you in the future. God says that the safety net he has created for you is this community called the church and specifically those ones who really know you by name who pray for you first peter 3 8 everybody let's going to say this out loud together too finally all of you be like-minded be sympathetic love one another be compassionate and humble i gotta tell you I'm, i run across christians sometimes who um they they drop out and not just our church, but just any church. They leave the church because they are disappointed. They feel like God's people have let them down. Nobody cared about me. Maybe they, they wind up in the hospital and nobody comes to visit them. And chances are pretty good a lot of times. We didn't even know they are in the hospital, but they, they didn't have any connections. And yet they're disappointed that the church wasn't there for them. And I feel bad for them, but you know what I really want to say to them? It's really your fault. 
You've got nobody to blame but yourself because did you ever visit anybody in the hospital yourself? Did you ever care about anybody else in the family of God? Did you ever go out of your way to, to go beyond just casual handshakes to really get to know other people? Did you have connection in God's family? Because his plan for us is a body we see is in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Community is God's answer to despair. God doesn't want you to go through that stuff alone, by yourself. You need a spiritual family that's going to be there with you through the tough times. And yes, we're still messed up, dysfunctional people, and we will fail each other. We'll disappoint one another. We'll, we'll, we have flaws and all that stuff. But we want to be there for each other and really learn to love each other. Because that's the only way you can do it, is being, being with other people. And, and look, I've got to warn you, though, too, because when we're talking about being there for each other, some people will go into a group and they'll turn it into their own private therapy session, right? They'll just dump all their problems out week after week. After week. Whoa, 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 hold on. We're not here to fix each other. We can't fix each other. Here's what we're, we're to do, 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, what? Encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Whoa, there it is. Are you doing it? Are you? Are we building each other up? Are we praying for one another? I can't fix you, but I can pray for you. And I would love to see every one of our groups be a prayer meeting. Yes, we have one group in particular we call our prayer meeting, but every group ought to get really serious about prayer, praying for one another's concerns and needs by name. And I'm not just talking about a medical list of your aunts, uncles, and cousins. You know how I can turn into that? I'm talking about praying for real needs. I'm talking about things of Im eternal importance, of heavy consequence. Keep a running list of all the people in your life that need Jesus, that need the gospel, that needs the good news that Jesus loves you, he died for you. So you could be forgiven, you could go to heaven. Those are the people we really need to be praying for. Praying for the church, praying for kingdom issues. That's what's needed in every one of our groups. So gather in a group to grow. And sometimes that happens really quick. Some, some groups bond right away, others not so much. Some, some of them take some time to learn to get along and learn to love each other. But that's a good thing. That's how it works. And I've also got to tell you, there are going to be times when you do not feel like going to your group. You're going to come home and say, I don't feel like going. I feel like staying home. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. Get up and go anyway. You'll be so glad you did. Because not only are you going to get blessed through that, but you're going to be a blessing to others. That's why you're there to be there for others. And it takes work to build community. It's work to build fellowship. But there's a power in connecting through Christ that you won't find in any other kinds of relationships. And the benefits are so worth it when you have people walking through life with you who are watching out for you and waiting and weeping with you. So how are you doing? As a disciple, do you want to grow? Well, what's your next step? Are you connecting? I'd, I'd encourage you to find a group to, to start gathering with others. And we're going to do part two of this message in a couple of weeks, the power of equipping. Hope you're going to come back for that. Bring others with you. Next week, take a little break. Holiday weekend, the kids are going to be in here with us. Mark and I are going to do another one of those conversational talks on those forgotten virtues. So be here for that. But look, if you're not a disciple yet, I hope and I pray that you will answer his call today. Jesus is calling you to come walk with me, follow me, be a disciple. That's why I came for you. I love you. I want you to be in my forever family. I made you to belong. 
And if that's something you haven't experienced yet, don't put it off any longer. I got some friends that are going to walk up here in a few minutes, and they care about you, and they would love to spend some time praying with you about whatever your needs are, answering your questions, helping you take whatever a next step is. Maybe for you, this is the day that you're going to commit your life to Christ for real. You're going to get baptized because we're ready for you. We've got everything you need to be baptized, and you're going to walk out of here a new, fresh, clean person, a part of God's family adopted in forever. If you'd like that, we're going to stand. You come down, talk with one of those folks. They'll stick around after the service too.